Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today in our studies going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we are here in chapter number 4. And we've been looking at verse number 16, which says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, one of the things as you actually start to look at a verse like this is that we see how the Apostle Paul, as he's describing the catching out of the saints, is saying some things that individuals try to pull in and say that it's the same thing as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in fulfillment of prophecy to set up the kingdom here on the earth, which would be part of Israel's program and their hope. And trying to make the two hopes, the earthly hope of Israel and the heavenly hope of the Lord of the body of Christ, be the exact same thing. And we know that there's two different hopes for two different groups of people based on the message that has been given to them and how those who are part of the earthly hope could not be part of the heavenly hope and vice versa. Now, when you actually see some of the things that the scriptures say about Israel's hope, we're going to spend a few minutes actually looking at some things the scriptures actually say about the things that are true for Israel, that you see how the things given to them could never be what we're seeing here in First Thessalonians chapter number 4, that it is not the same event that's being described. In fact, we see if we go over to Acts chapter number 1, we see how the disciples had an understanding of something right before the Lord Jesus Christ ascends back up into heaven. We see that they ask him a question here in Acts chapter number 1. And we're going to start here at verse number 6 and read down through verse number 8. It says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we see how, as they're asking this question, we see how it's very clear that they were looking continually at the thing, speaking of Israel's hope. And in fact, when it says the question, 
Will thou at this time restore again? So they're looking for something that Israel had already had when they had that position of authority over things here on the earth and saying, will you allow us to be put in that position again? So they were looking for that hope because they had the understanding of the covenants that had been given unto them. The covenants that we know that we as the members of the body of Christ over in the book of Ephesians, how it talks about that we are strangers from the covenants of promise. That those covenants are not part of who we are. When we put our trust in the gospel message for today, the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the only message that can save someone. And that message has nothing to do with the earthly hope and instead has everything to do with the heavenly hope that has been promised to us, the members of the body of Christ, for today. Israel was looking for what they had again, that promise of a kingdom which was going to be established here on the earth. We see how during his earthly ministry, when he's describing some of the signs that are going on, let's go over to Matthew chapter number 24. And in Matthew 24, you have a big description that goes on related to the events of the 70th week, telling them what is going to happen. And he gives them all of that information because of the question that is asked at the beginning of the chapter. We'll start right at verse 1 of Matthew chapter number 24. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, And his disciples came to him, for to shew him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world. And you see how he starts to lay out a number of things that are going to happen. And you can take this chapter and just start you know, matching it up with the events that you see in the book of Revelation. You know, you see how there's the description of those signs that are going to happen in verse 29 that tie in with the things of what has to occur before the day of the Lord happens. So now we're seeing the timing of when those events could occur. Then you see in verse 30, where it says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And they say, see, this is that description of those things. And that's happening after the sign in verse 29 that ties in with Joel chapter number 2 of the things that have to happen before the day of the Lord actually happens and God's pouring out his wrath. Then they see him coming after that, which is clearly showing that how what's being described in verse 30 has to be completely different from what we see over in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 because the events in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 are going to happen before Matthew chapter 24 verse 29 occurs because when those signs happen, that's the immediate thing of identifying that the day of the Lord is beginning. What Matthew chapter 24 verse 30 is describing is what we see over in the book of Revelation. Let's go to Revelation chapter number 19 where we're going to see John recording the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ here on the earth to set up his kingdom for them. And here in Revelation chapter number 19, we're going to start here at verse number 11. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that... With it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And then chapter 20 is going to start describing the establishment of that kingdom here on the earth. And what we're seeing here in Revelation chapter number 19 is the end of that 70th week 
and the culmination of the establishment of the kingdom that promise that had been made for the nation of Israel and the fulfillment of their hope and this is what they were looking for they were looking for him to be here ruling and reigning with them that's why you see how you know one of the names is given to him over in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 where it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. They were looking for God to be with them, ruling and reigning here on planet Earth. That is what they were looking for in their hope. They were not looking for any of the promises that were given to the Apostle Paul. One, because they were all a mystery and had not been revealed until they were given to the Apostle Paul. And two, because they're not part of their hope. The things given to Paul that he records in Romans through Philemon are related to the heavenly hope, the promise that has been given to the body of Christ related to the reconciliation of the heavenly places. And the whole thing of that, it's Christ in us, not Christ with us. That's the difference between the two programs and how Israel was looking for him to be there. And when individuals try to think that this is what they're looking for you see how it really disrupts the hope that has been given to anybody in this dispensation and that's the big problem when so many people are trying to look for the kingdom to be established here because it's not part of anything that has been given to us today this issue of the kingdom causes too many problems for Christianity today because of the failure to rightly divide the word of truth and trying to apply these passages that are speaking of Israel and their hope written to them and failing to understand that difference between the body of Christ and the nation of Israel. And so when we look at passages, like for example, let's turn over to Psalm 2, and we're going to see this psalm that's written, it's describing the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ here. And we're going to read actually the whole psalm, the, all 12 verses of it, to really describe what's being said. In verse 1 of Psalm 2, it says, Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. 
Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. And you see how this description that's being given related to this kingdom that's going to be set up here and how it's speaking about the fact that you know he's being given the uttermost parts of the earth for the possession, the heathen earth for an inheritance. He's going to break them with a rod of iron. He's going to dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. All of these things describing how there is going to be this complete rule over all of the things on the earth. And how you know you see that throughout these things in the Psalms. Like, for example, Psalm 110. And verse number one, where it says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So you see how these passages that are describing this establishment of the kingdom that's going to be associated with him coming back, the, what it was that Israel was looking for why we when we started we read that passage in Acts chapter number one where they're asking about will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel this is what they were looking for knowing that this is what all of this would happen when he comes back and how you know when individuals try to pull all this into what's going on for the members of the body of Christ. You see the confusion that it brings about. You see the impact that it has on the hope that we have. And we know that we have this hope which has been promised to us. In fact, we can read this over in Titus chapter number 2. And we're going to read here in Titus 2 starting in verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise. Then you see how verse 13 
is identifying the fact that there's a blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, an appearing that is completely separate from all of those other passages which we just read over in the book of Matthew and the book of Revelation and the book of Psalms that are pointing to his coming to establish that kingdom here on the earth. We see how Paul identifies. Let's go over to Colossians chapter number 3. And you see how as he's writing to this assembly in Colossus, and we'll read the first four verses of Colossians chapter number 3. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, as Paul starts this passage, he you know, seems to ask kind of this question, If ye then be risen with Christ, every individual who has put their trust in the gospel message found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, through 4, the moment that somebody has put their trust in it, they are identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. And when it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, that is true of every member of the body of Christ, that we've been risen with Christ. Then the result of that, if that is true of us, then we should be seeking those things which are above. So we should be putting our focus... On the things above. That's why I said set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Our affection, our focus is to be on heavenly things, not on earthly things. And too often, those who identify themselves as Christians put their affection and are seeking the things of the earth and are not focused on the things of the heavenly places. And you see that as you deal with individuals. You know, there's a principle in the book of Matthew where it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what's inside of a man and what they're focusing on it's what's going to come out of them as you're having a conversation with them. And if their focus is on heavenly things, their speech and what they're de dealing with is going to be on heavenly things. And if their focus is on earthly things, then what they're talking about is going to be earthly things. You know, And you see this, for example, when you look at social media and you see how individuals you know for example if you look at Facebook and you see what somebody is posting and you see how there'll be all these different things you know related to political things and then all of a sudden oh yeah I, I guess I should post you know put a Bible verse in there and then shift right back into immediately 
dealing with the things of, well, here's some more, you know, political things and talking about which party that they prefer and, you know, you know what policies they're trying to support and everything. And that's where their whole focus is. And you don't see the focus on the heavenly things. Our focus, since that is where our hope is, we need to be focused on the earthly or on the heavenly things that we find in Romans through Philemon. And we're going to pick up next week looking at the description that the Apostle Paul gives of the glorified body that's part of our hope. And we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some charts to help you in your study of God's Word. We have information on how to join our Sunday service and our Wednesday night Bible study live as they're being broadcast on Facebook. And as always, if you ever happen to be in the Buffalo area on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you join us at 83 Anderson Road at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And with that, we close as well. We say, you know, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.